From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Welcome to this special bonus episode of Straight Talk. We had a nice conversation with Speaker Dan Rayfield in our episode of Straight Talk, but we ran out of time to ask all the questions that we wanted to ask, so you've graciously agreed to give us this bonus episode. So let's talk about something that's really important. I'm sorry that we didn't get it into the main show about reproductive rights, because Oregon has some of the strongest abortion rights protections in the country. But in anticipation of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade, you started a work group to work on that to further strengthen abortion rights in the state, what more do you think can and, and should be done? I think the first thing for kind of viewers to understand is in the wake of the Dobbs decision, right, that really overturned uh, Roe v. Wade, the landscape changed, right? There were regional differences. So, and, and this is just a perfect example. So if you're in Eastern Oregon, it may take you 300 miles to travel to get access to a provider for life-saving care. Uh, and so we have to think about um, that type of a dynamic because Idaho just passed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. So just no Knowing that that is a dynamic, we also have this, as you rightfully pointed out, we are one of the uh, most supportive states when it comes to reproductive health. However, just because it's on the books doesn't necessarily mean you have access. Um, there are underserved, um, what I would say, uh, groups in, within Oregon, um, what are gaps in coverage um, and insurance gaps that we need to fill. Uh, and so those are the type of things that we can actually take action on, thinking about making sure we're protecting patients from criminal and civil liability as well as providers um, and interference with the, the actual um, uh, moving forward with reproductive health care. So those are the type of things that the work group was looking at. Those are the type of things that I expect to see in the upcoming session. So is this work group going to come up with legislation that would maybe come up on the House floor? Yes. So let me ask you about another really important topic. KGW's done a number of stories and series on the public defense system and how it is broken. I know you're well aware of that. There's a ripple effect because there aren't enough public defenders. So people who are charged with crimes are being set free many times because there aren't enough public defenders to make sure they have their legal right to representation. The Joint Legislative Committee, uh, I guess, passed $100 million um, recently to try to, as sort of a band-aid, to meet the immediate crisis, but it's not long-term. What ideas do you have for a long-term solution, and will that come up in the legislative session? I think the, the good context um, for me as I think about this, this has been a crisis before the pandemic. Um, we have had a workforce shortage in public defense for a really long time. Um, when we came into the pandemic, it really exacerbated this problem. Uh, and there's also a co-occurring set of issues in terms of oversight and financial management and outcomes issues that we have to look at. Uh, in the 2021 legislative session, we actually gave them half of their caseload budget. Um, as legislators, we don't have a lot of accountability tools. The one thing we do have is we have the budget. And so we withheld that $100 million um, as an incentive to say, hey, we need to start getting our ducks in a row. And that's a really polite way of putting what we need to do. Uh, and so we put together what I would say is a tri-branch group. And this was with former Governor Brown, uh, both Senate President Courtney and myself, um, as well as Chief Justice Walters. We put together a group that's really focused on these reforms. A, accountability and oversight. We actually have to look at our workforce shortages and making sure we're um, paying uh, public defenders a wage that actually starts to bring people into this, um, into this space. And then we have to make sure that there's a um, quality of service that are being provided for the folks that are being represented. There will be a package in the 23 session that will come out of this work group that will make progress uh, down this road. 
Last session, I think one of the most contentious bills was the farm workers bill, uh, paying farm workers overtime. Do you, is that working? Do you know how it's working? Um, it is, so it, we are early in the session, there will, there will be some legislation on um, actually providing some assistance and grants to folks during the first years of the operation of the program. Um, there's a tax credit that, that goes on to kind of subsidize and help people gradually move into this new system, this paradigm shift. The, the um, employers, the yes, farms, for the, farmers? For the employers, yes. Uh, and so that will go on in the early part of the session, and then this will slowly start to be implemented over a longer period of time. What was really important for us um, is that it was a gradual implementation uh, to allow the market to change, as well as that we had significant state supports for the folks that have to make that change over time, too. So what do you think is going to be the most contentious bill this session? Right. And this is, this is the, the, I think it's one of the most beautiful things about a democracy, right? Um, but it's also one of the most challenging things. Um, we come into a session and there's a lot of alignment that we'll see. And then you know that there's these issues coming your way um, that people just don't see eye to eye on. Um, two of those issues historically have been reproductive health um, and gun violence laws, right? Uh, and we have a host of measures on both of those. Uh, what's really important to me is when we approach these issues, we do it with a sense of respect um, and fostering that culture of respect among all of our legislators, knowing that these issues are extremely personal to all of us. And it doesn't matter which side of the issue you are, you are on. I think it's just appreciating and respecting where we're trying to head um, in this area. So I expect those two issues to be some of the more sensitive ones that we handle this session. In some past sessions when there has been, have been these contentious issues, the Republicans have walked out. Do you think there would be a Republican walkout possibly this time? I will do everything in my power to make sure that we lead with empathy, lead with a culture of respect so that that does not happen. Um, you cannot control human beings in, in the way they operate. You can only control your own actions. There was a recent measure, um, you're very aware of this, it was about measure 113 mm -hmm. that uh, passed in 34 out of 36 counties. And whether you liked it or didn't like it, it was an interesting litmus test for folks sitting in these seats to say, this is what Oregonians want. They want people having the difficult conversations, not walking away from the difficult conversations. I can respect that those are difficult, uh, but we still have to have them. Um, and I think that there's a general appreciation in this building, and I think the way that we handle ourselves will hopefully prevent um, future walkouts. And that measure that you talked about has penalties for lawmakers who do walk out. Are, would you be one of those people that would um, institute those penalties if, if Republicans walk out? Um, it, during, per the language in, that is now in the Constitution, it would be um, the presiding officers who is the Speaker and the Senate President to then implement that. Um, I really believe that it is up to me um, and everyone in this building uh, to really prevent those types of events from happening. Um, I would rather much, I would much rather be on the front end of building relationships and avoiding this at all costs um, and always assuming good intent. Um, when we come down this road. And so that's my entire focus. Um, it would be an extremely sad uh, day if we had to go down that road. Well, from our conversation in Straight Talk in the main episode, that sounds like a major focus of yours to build that respect and prevent something like that from happening. I do have another question from the House Republicans that they sent me to ask you. Um, they said, just this past week, we saw a brutal attack on the public transit system just outside of Portland. It was actually on the platform outside and the trains weren't running. But they said, um, House Democrats advocated for a broader shift towards public transit in our cities and away from driving per
personal vehicles. Are there any solutions to help people feel safe in making this transition? Now, one of the things I mentioned in my um, opening day speech yesterday is uh, one of the big problems, and again, communities across the state, is that people feel a sense of insecurity in their neighborhoods um, from time to time. That's something we have to address. There's a partnership with cities and counties in that process, as the state primarily is responsible for the Oregon State Police, but there are things that we can do on the front end, again, getting to preventative measures, um, and I do expect um, in our Judiciary Committee under our leadership that there will be some things moving forward uh, to really address um, the growing uh, violence in our communities. Speaker Rayfield, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? No, this is wonderful. I always enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this bonus episode of Straight Talk. You can find it on our KGW YouTube channel as well.